Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Bezel Banter, a podcast that covers all our favorite topics, including travel, various gear, and of course, watches. I'm Leslie. And I'm Ernesto. And today, this is episode 16 already. Uh, today, this is our February Q&A, and now uh, we're very excited about, uh, you know, the question we received, uh, and we're very excited about answering them. Yeah, so excited. I mean, this is our second Q&A, and we had so much fun the first Q&A that we're looking forward to going ahead and answering mm -hmm. the questions that we received for the month of February. But before we delve in to the questions, Leslie, what are you wearing on your wrist today? Uh, today I'm wearing my uh, Rolex Pepsi or um, the uh, Spider-Man, like you like to call it. I do like that <laughs> Spider-Man. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. I. You know what? I really like that you call it like that because my, my son is currently obsessed with Spider-Man. And so yeah. every time he's like, you know, talking about this superhero, I'm like, well, you know what? I have a, I have the watch, you know, and, and I don't know. It makes me, uh, it makes me smile. Well, two things. I'm a huge fan of Spider-Man. And secondly, I mean, with Rolex making all of these references to superheroes with mm -hmm. like the Hulk and the Batman, mm -hmm. I would only think it appropriate to call that the Spider-Man. Yeah, I would have called it more like Captain America, though. But then it's maybe too much U.S. centric uh, and not, uh, you know, worldwide. While Batman and the Hulk are maybe more international. They're global icons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yep, yep. What about you? What are you wearing today? For me, I am wearing my newly acquired Vertex Bronze 75. I'm digging this watch a lot. I'm in that honeymoon phase and just really enjoying this timepiece on my wrist. That's so cool. I love this. Uh, I love this watch. I can't wait to see how it ages over time. Me too. I think that would be a definitely a fun visual in the future. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's awesome because you took pictures of it, you know, when you, you received it and you're still taking picture of it. And then over time, you'll be able to to do like maybe a comparison, you know, side by side, you know, after a year, after two years or after like going to the beach or something like that. Yes. And I think with this particular watch, I don't plan on babying it. I plan on Good. wearing it when I'm swimming in the pool and just doing its normal thing and, you know, washing a little extra when I'm washing my hands, just kind of get it wet a little bit. <laughs> and I normally don't do that with watches, but I'm like, yeah, you know, it's bronze. It's supposed to get a little bit, yes. you know, patinaed. Definitely. So very cool. We've got a few questions this month and let's go ahead and get started with them if you don't mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course. So uh, the first one is from um, at the Pollen Newman. And um, first, I want to say thank you for always being, you know, always being there and uh, so positive, so happy to be part of the watch community. You always comment on everyone's post and uh, your Instagram is really great too. So uh, thank you. Uh, it's uh it's really great to to know you on Instagram, and uh, thank you also for your uh, for your question. So you're asking us, what's the worst watch decision you ever made or we ever made? Uh, and um, that's a real. I mean, they're all great questions, honestly. Um, but this one, I I don't think I I made a uh, bad decision with uh, with my watches. I would say that. I'm regretting not not pulling the trigger on a watch, and that's probably, um, yeah, like that's that's probably going to be the answer. My answer to this question is that um, I had the uh, opportunity to 
acquire the uh, so the Grand Seiko the SBGA three eighty seven so the one with the Kirazuri dial. Oh yeah, and um, and it was you know it was retail. It was sixty eight hundred dollars at the time, and I was like, well, you know, that's that's kind of a lot of money, and I don't really know Grand Seiko that much, and uh, but I saw it in person, fell in love, and it took me too long to uh, to decide that yes, I wanted to get it, and um, when I was ready, well, the watch was already sold, and they were sold out everywhere, so that's probably my worst watch decision in, in, in that, that, yeah, I didn't get it or I didn't uh, decide to get it fast enough. You know, that that's a tough spot, like yeah. especially when they're doing those kind of limited edition yeah. or they're somewhat like numbered or serialized. Mm-hmm. And then you have to pull the trigger and make that decision so quickly. And I think you and I are similar in a way in which we don't like make immediate decisions. We kind of stew on mm-hmm. it and do our research and is this really the right time piece to add to our collection? And yeah, yeah, I can appreciate what you're saying. In fact, you know, to answer that question, that same question, my worst watch decision would be something very similar. You know, I feel like the watches that I've added into my collection, whether I've kept them or whether I've, you know, gotten rid of them and found new owners for them, you know, the, the watches that have been in my collection, Mm -hmm. I never look at it as a bad decision because of the fact that it's allowed me to learn about myself, whether or not I like it or not. And so it's not necessarily a bad decision, but similarly to you, when I was early into my collecting, I wasn't super into like the vintage, uh, Rolexes. Mm -hmm. And I was down in Fort Lauderdale at this, um, brick and mortar store and they had this, I want to say it was like a 1969 or a 1970, um, it was the Rolex GMT, the Pepsi. Mm-hmm. And this was the 1675 reference. And this thing was beaten up. I mean, it has never been polished. And, you know, the acrylic crystal was just all scratched up. It was mm-hmm. even hard to see the dial on that. But it was like, it was like ideal what you want. And because yeah. you can kind of lightly polish it or not polish it or, you know, change the crystal. And mm-hmm. it was just in perfect condition. I don't think it did have box and papers, but at the time, I want to say, if I remember correctly, the watch was going for a little over $10,000. And this was, this was a few years ago. And I think about it now, I mean, like to have that watch in non-polished condition, goodness, I don't even know. It could have been double today. The the market probably would have been double today of what what it was back then. So, you know, that's probably, yeah, for, especially with Rolex, uh, right. Rolex sports steel watches, but yeah, that would probably be the one decision that, and I wish I made that decision a little bit sooner, but again, I was kind of early in my collecting yeah. phase and I didn't appreciate as much as I would have today. Yeah, yeah, that too. And and uh, that's the thing. And, I mean, it's like we kind of know we should be doing mm-hmm. it, but then there's the reality of today and we're like, well, you know, that that's that's this, that's a lot of money or that's that. Or, sure. Um, but yeah, it's difficult to uh, to know when it comes to things that are limited, either in in time, in production, um, it's difficult sometimes to just decide right away. Um, yeah. Mm-mm. So true. Yeah. So true. Yeah, yeah. Well, the Paula Newman, thank you very much for that question. We are really appreciate it. And, and we, I personally enjoy looking at your posts yes. and your positive feedback no, throughout the uh, Instagram yes. world. So thank you. Definitely. Thank you. Our second question, our second question is from Mike at 100, 
20 clicks. And Mike asks, what are your thoughts on reissue watches? Are they a great nod to the past or are there some things best left alone? And that's a really good question. I, I think for me, it depends upon who did the reissue and how they did it. Mm-hmm. So I have a couple of reissues I think about that, I, in, that are in my collection. One is the Doxa Sub 300, mm-hmm. which was a reissue that was done. It was a limited edition. It was, there were only 300 pieces that came out. It was uh, to celebrate the 50th anniversary mm-hmm. for Doxa. And so that came out in 2017. Another reissue that I have is the Seiko SLA 017. Again, another timepiece that came out in 2017. And that was the uh, reissue that was to commemorate the uh, Seiko uh, 62 Moss. And so for me, you know, those pieces, I think they did a good job on it. It was Mm -hmm. a very close uh, reissue on it and the way they did it. So when things are like that, I, I think that it's good. And I think it depends upon the watch and how it resonates with you. Yeah. I think sometimes there are brands out there that will just reissue to reissue. And sometimes it gets lost in the translation and how the product offering ends up mm-hmm. yeah. looking like. Yeah. So yeah. what are your yeah. thoughts, Leslie? I totally agree. Uh, a reissue is nice if it's something, I mean... Um, that you couldn't acquire at the time or that uh, you you still cannot um, because it lets you get something that you really enjoy and that you really like. So, for example, I would love for um, Grand Seiko to have that reissue of that dial, the Kirazuri dial in blue. Uh, if they could make the same watch, great. I understand that if you're one of those who had it originally, who had the limited edition, uh, you know, timepiece, well, you're not so happy that they're making a reissue very close to the original because it kind of devaluates maybe um, what you have. Or, you know, you could do the opposite. It can, you know, also increase the price because you you had the original, right? But um, it's it's really nice for that when I see new watches taking on the design codes from like previous watches um, that are part of the history of the brand, for example. I, it has to be done properly. I don't like when it's completely copy-paste either. So things need to be a little improved or changed slightly to make sure that, yeah, it's not just like, oh, well, we take something, we just copy everything and just, you know, reissue it and there you go. Um but um, I, I don't mind that at all. I don't mind that at all. If it's constantly a brand doing this, then it lacks originality and you're like, well, what's, what's the point? Um, but if it's done sparingly and um, if it's something well thought of, uh, then I'm uh, totally, uh, totally fine with that. I agree with that. If a brand is using that sparingly, what it does, at least in my eyes for that brand, is it's embracing its history. Yeah, yeah. If you're doing it all the time and you're embracing your history, it's almost like highlighting everything on a piece of paper. If it's all highlighted, is there really any importance to that page? Yeah, that's <laughs> right? exactly so, that. Yeah. Um, I know that there's also some of the Doxa fans out there. There were some guys that ended up picking up that sub 300, which is that 50th anniversary limited edition. And then Doxa, you know, came out and made the Doxa sub 300 and which is not limited. And they tweaked a couple of different things uh, about the watch. And I know that there's a huge controversy out there with the Doxa fan 
base and that they're like, what, you know, why did they go ahead and do that? But, mm-hmm. you know, when it comes down to it, at least my personal opinion, you know, mine is serialized that the limited yeah. edition says limited yeah. edition and it, and it is just a 50th anniversary. Yeah. So it yeah. might look, it might look similar from afar, but like mm-hmm. when you get close to it, you'll see there's a yeah. difference. Yeah. And it depends on why you're buying the watch too. If you're buying because you just really love the look, well, you know, that's okay. You just love that watch mm-hmm. uh, and it's available to buy. So that's awesome. If you're really like a purist, well, maybe you're not going to buy this one or maybe you will, but then you'll wait for, you know, you, you'll wait to find also the anniversary edition, for example. So, right. um, I mean, if you really love the watches, you can still get both, I guess. But yeah, it's it's too bad sometimes that something that you really, really love uh, is not available anymore. I know it's part of the game, right? You can't have everything. But sometimes you're like, damn. Like, for example, I would love to have an Explorer that's a little smaller. I don't really want to pay a premium. I know it's it's Rolex anyway, and it's in steel. And But um, I'd like to have an Explorer a little smaller. And, well, now everything that's available is 39. It's 39, it's a great watch. Uh, the, the new one is really, really great. But I wouldn't mind if they would do kind of like, I mean, I guess... Would it be considered a reissue? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know if it's part of their core collection. I, I don't know. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't mind that at all. I don't mind that at all. Yeah, it's interesting because I don't know if Rolex, you can really consider them reissues. It's almost just like an evolution of Ex- their yeah. product offering. Yeah, because yeah, they don't do anything limited. In my mind, when it's a reissue, it's something that um, they advertise as, as such. Mm-hmm. Uh, like they did, you know, for example, Tag Heuer and their, you know, some of their watches was like, uh, they really take on the design codes of like those um, very iconic timepiece. And then sure. they, they make sure to advertise it this way. So, yeah, you're right. With, with Rolex similarly, be, yeah. yeah, similarly to like the Carrera yeah. for the ta- for like the Hoyers, what they used to be the mm-hmm. Hoyer or like mm-hmm. the Octavia, those kind of timepieces. Yeah. And, and again, that goes back to that particular brand embracing their history. That's awesome to me. That's great. Yeah. yeah so it's yeah, cool. Definitely. You know, to recap it, the reissues, at least for me, you know, I guess it just depends upon how it ends up looking. And mm-hmm. honestly, how does it resonate to you? I mean, because again, it goes back to like everybody has a, has a different fingerprint and it goes back mm-hmm. to your collection being yeah. a different fingerprint than my fingerprint. Definitely. Okay. Well, um, Next, uh, third question by uh, Blake at Blake underscore Babcock. How do you prioritize the value of a watch when selecting a new timepiece? For example, movement, material, style. Um, I think I I like to look at everything. I like to take my time. I know we've talked about this quite a few times, like many times, actually. Uh, it's, it's like... I don't want to say dating, but almost, right? Um, it's not knowing everything all at once. It's really like reading about it, reading people's you know, comments, what do they think, seeing photos. And it's really like taking time. But yeah, I like to read about everything. And in the end, I kind of like to know everything about the watch I'm about to buy. But ultimately, um, so everything I need to like in some ways... Uh, some, sometimes I'll just, you know, kind of like close my eyes on certain aspects. For example, at, at the very beginning, everything had to have an in-house movement, right? Uh, right. 
So I know it was like very important in some ways. Now it's definitely not as important. So if it's a watch I really love, it doesn't have in-house movement. Well, it doesn't weigh as much as as it used to. Um, But ultimately, it's really the watch needs to give me the the butterflies. Uh, That's um, how... Uh, if if I find some find a watch I really really like, then I'll find any excuse to to like it even more. Um, and then those those butterflies become pterodactyls in your stomach, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it becomes like yeah. <laughs> I'm not I'm not gonna name any watches that I know create pterodactyls in you. So. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Elizabeth, we'll, we'll still be here tomorrow, right? <laughs> right. Although they, what number? They, what number is that on the list? <laughs> they're, they're, I would have. I, I guess I would have like a top five, maybe, or a top three, you know? or six or to, seven. Yeah, I've had two lately. I've, yeah, we had a few episodes um, later last year and earlier this year about what we're anticipating getting this year. So I have a few that I'm set on. Um, nice. Nice. Yeah, 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 That's yeah. Cool. But yeah, um, like the Explorer is one of them, definitely. Yeah. And I've been looking a lot at the uh, Tudor Ranger too lately, and see the the Ranger. It does bother me a little that it doesn't have an in-house movement, but this watch, I don't know. I just like it more and more. I see pictures of it more and more, and I'm like, huh, the price point's great. And then it, it's really like convincing yourself that, uh, you know, that that it's the one that in, it's part of your collection and then you need to have it. But yeah, it's all about like feeling. How do you feel when you're wearing it? Does it do you feel you're going to be a better person if you have it in, in your life? Right. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It sounds so silly. That got deep. <laughs> <laughs> that got deep. Will God love me more if I put this watch in my collection? <laughs> it's like, wow. Okay. <laughs> that right you're like oh my gosh this is gonna look so good with that outfit and then right. you know like you put yourself in a situation where you're gonna be wearing it and i know we don't really go out anymore but um yeah i'm like oh that's that's basically how it is it's completely irrational i'm trying to rationalize it but in the end it's it's really not and for our friends out there in the watch community my my 2021 goals is to make sure that Leslie ends up getting a Seiko SRP 777 on that wrist before the end of the year. Because we know she's been wanting to look at that yeah, too, but I, she's just got to pull the trigger on it. I just don't know why I'm not. I really don't know. Because it's, I don't know. But yeah, that's a good goal. I mean, yeah, yeah, I, it's an easy goal. Or it should be easy, I guess. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know why I still don't have it. I'm actually, I don't know the answer to that question. I don't know. Right. We'll have to have a coffee over it and talk about it. So to answer Blake's question about how I prioritize the value of a watch when I'm selecting it, you know, I love the way you made the analogy of dating because I honestly feel the same way about like a watch because to me first, it's about appearance, right? Is there an attraction to that watch? How does that watch to me look? Um, and then the second thing about it is the history behind the watch. Like, is there a certain historical importance about that watch? And then I think that it becomes then the inside, right? So like, you know, the, the movement or that personality and it, and it, mm-hmm. to me, it's very similar to dating and I'm not one to speed date and, you know, do something quickly like that. To me, it's kind of like, I just want to take my time, just make sure that, that, that watch is the right watch to put mm-hmm. in my collection. 
I didn't mean to get too romantic about <laughs> adding a watch, but it makes so much sense. That analogy like resonates but with me. But it does, right? It. Yeah, it, it does. does. It, you need to just like everything and it doesn't have to be perfect, but yeah, it needs to resonate. I think that's a, that's a good word that you use. And to me, like, I like the fact that there's a historical significance to a watch. Yeah. That, that's me personally. Not everybody has that same thought process, but for me, it's kind of like, oh, I like the story behind it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's got to look cool too. At least in my eyes, it's got to look cool. Yeah. You know what? Beauty is subjective. Yes. And that's, that's, you know, that's why I say, you know, when you, when you're looking at your watch collection, you got to do you. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. All right. Our next question is from David at Dav, which is just D-A-V underscore A six four. And he asks, what do you two think Rolex will do with the Explorer two since it is the watch's 50th anniversary this year? Well, David, that is an awesome question because we both like Rolex number one, but I, I kind of have a feeling that if they do make changes this year, there might be a couple of things they might do. One is change the movement. And I think we've seen a trend recently with Rolex um, moving to a 70-hour power reserve. So that might be one. Leslie, what do you think? What else do you think they might do? I, I agree with the movement. That would, that would be like the uh, normal thing to do, change it to a 70-hour power reserve or increase it, just tweak it a little bit so it's more you know efficient. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean... I'm 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 totally seeing them just snapping like a black ceramic bezel on top of like that watch. Because so true. It's just kind of like look like it's the trend. Uh, I'm not saying it's going to look bad at all. Uh, I'm just saying that it sounds a little easy. Um, mm-hmm. But again, I I, I don't know. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they decide to do that. Um, something that I, I, I know we talked with Ernesto um, before and um, that I wish, I totally wish they would do, uh, would, would be to make um, some um, Oyster Flex bracelet available in different colors. Uh, and for that watch, I think it would be so, so cool. Like all those colors we saw on the dials of the um, Oyster Perpetual, if they would make an Oyster an oyster flex, so you know, a fancy rubber strap, right? Right, um, right. With those colors uh, for the Explorer 2, damn, that would look so, so cool. So that putting that ceramic bezel is a predictable move that mm. we can see Rolex doing. But the oyster flex strap, that would be cool. That would be like a curveball, I think, that I know, you, know, that you don't would think be about. so freaking cool. I would personally, like, yeah, like die if they do that. Yeah, and if they did the Oyster Flex to match the dial, mm-hmm. that would be kind of slick. So if you had a white dial, white Oyster Flex, black dial, I think that it would actually kind of make the, um, on the white, it would make the bezel pop. Yeah, yeah. But imagine too, like you have colors, like for example, that uh, Robin Eggs blue uh, color from the oyster, like the um, oyster perpetual, they make one like this, and you yeah. can snap that bracelet with that color on the white uh, explorer too, or even on the black one. Uh, the green is great. I mean, all of their color on those dials are very um, saturated, and mm-hmm. uh, to make like 
I'm not one who's really into color, like colorful bracelet, but I think for this, um, it, it would be really, I mean, from, from Rolex, that would be a win all the way. Again, I, I don't know anything about anything, but... Um, that's Wait a second. Wait, they did. Rolex didn't reach out to you and make you sign a non-disclosure form well, that you you know this information. Y- yeah, anything? not this year. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Out of curiosity, you, you you mentioned about adding different colors, which is what they did last year. Do you think that would be a predictable move for Rolex, knowing that they just came out with six colors last year for the Oyster Perpetual? Um, if they did that with the Explorer or Explorer Two, for example. I, I, because of the price point of the uh, the Oyster Perpetual, it's I mean it's it's a pretty steep steep price point, right? Um, but for Rolex, it's one of their lowest um, priced watches. So people who generally tend to buy Rolex in general, um, mm-hmm. this is not. I mean, they, they'll buy it just for fun, right? It's just a fashion right. statement. They they they'll buy just to you know match their exotic cars or things like this, right? Just to be a little bit. Um, more fun. Um, so sure. it's not like, um, I mean, I think it would fit with the, uh, with the DNA of the watch pretty well. They've done that before. They had like a sort of purple dial. Uh, right. they had like a, like, like a gray dial, something like that. So they've played a little bit with colors before very slightly, but, um, with the Explore 2, though, I don't know. I don't know if it fits the DNA of the watch. I don't know if, um, that'll attract, um, people i mean i don't i don't know yeah and so the more and more i think about it i think that it's more they're more apt to keeping the colors just the black and white because it is more considered a tool watch versus like the whimsical and i don't want to say whimsical for the oyster perpetual but it is kind of like a it's like the play watch for Mm, rolex yes yes right i mean like that's yeah it's probably an interesting way to put it yeah and they can make like I don't want to say limited edition because it's not going to be limited, but it can make it limited in time. So then, mm-hmm. and they've done that in the past, they'll retire this dial. And so you'll know that this dial was only between those years or, uh, and then you can kind of like, you know, collect them all um, because right. it's, Hey, why not? Um, so I, I think, I think, yeah, it fits the uh, Oyster, but I would really like to see those, um, those, those bracelet, those rubber straps, Mm-hmm. on um on the explorer because i've seen some of you know collectors have already done this with uh, you know everest straps or, or stuff like this right and it just looks so 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 good you know i wonder if they would ever take that back down to a 40 millimeter case versus the 42 it currently is uh being offered in yeah actually yeah i i that's a that's a good point they might they might because hmm yeah they well might. because the only reason why i say that is because the current ceramic bezels for the Daytona would fit on 40. Hmm. Yeah. But then you got to, you have to do a lot of geometry changes. So I don't know. Yeah, It'd be interesting to see if that's. Yeah. I don't know because, and the thing is that with the uh, ceramic bezel, it makes the watch look a little bit bigger. Mm-hmm. And so if you're on a 42, it, it might look too big. It might. Maybe. Yeah, it might. You know what? That's a great question, David. Mm-hmm. Those are some of our thoughts. What might happen? We really don't know because Rolex didn't reach out to us this year. Apparently, they reached out to Leslie last year, but <laughs> no, they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, but thank you for sending that question in. Yes. It made us think a little bit about you know 
uh, what, what they could be doing with the Explorer 2. And, and by the way, I'm a huge fan of the yes. Explorer 2. I love that watch. Very cool. Okay, so the next uh, question is from Andres. Uh, so it's at Andres RRCF. Um, that's for his Instagram. Thank you, Andres, um, for always being there. You're, you're so awesome. It's awesome to uh, talk watches with you. So his question is, what's your take on that um, huge Cartier comeback uh, driven by its vintage pieces and uh, at the center of all the uh, collection privée Cartier Paris <laughs> and all that's uh, happening um, overnight. So I know we talked about that clubhouse um, talk on Cardi and vintage Cardi that I missed. Uh, and uh, it made a huge impression on him because uh, he first he's like, oh my gosh, you have to listen to it. And, and I wasn't uh, near my phone and I, I mean, you know, I, I couldn't, unfortunately. But he made a huge impression on him, and he's a huge fan of Cartier, and he's been reading a lot about the brand. Um, he's also, um, he also has, you know, um, uh, a Cartier uh, Santos, the skeleton version, and he's looking at acquiring a few other ones. Cartier, I think there's always been a market for their vintage timepieces. Um, but Cardi is very different because in the mind of people, first, it's a jeweler more than uh, a watchmaker. It's starting mm -hmm. to change, uh, of course, but um, it still has an elegance and a refinement uh, that is not for everyone. So when they're talking about, when he's talking about the uh, collection privée, uh, so that is, um, so I'm, I'm I'm reading this from Quill and Pad, right? It was launched at the SIHH in 1998. The Collection Privé Quartier Paris was targeted mainly at men at a time where men were becoming decidedly more aware of their watches, leading them to demand timepieces with very good mechanical calibers. And generally, their watches are a little bit more in intricate in their design and their... Um, um, they, they're much more elaborated, um, I'm, I'm going to say. So it's not for everyone, and it's definitely not for every every man, because there's really like a, an elegance to it. It's a dress watch. It, it Even like on the dressier side of, of the term. Um, it's also very unique in design. It's not very, uh, um, you know, classic, plain, something that you can wear with everything in every occasion. It's rather thin, um, most likely in precious metal too. And so there's a category of watch collectors who really are into these type of watches. And, and mm -hmm. it's always been like that. It's always been very, very difficult to, to find those watches. Cardi collaborated with so many other brands. They made just so many variations of their, of their watches. Um, they are the king of shapes, right? So you, you can find every single shape um, in, in, in their you know, in their watches. Yeah. It's wild too, because like we, we think about like the tank, but mm -hmm. then they also had that crash recently, which yeah. has that unique shape to it too. Yeah. And that's a very, I, it's, it's not so recent. I don't remember exactly when it was, um, when it was launched, but it's, um, yeah, it's very recent that people started talking about it and it started doing a comeback mm -hmm. uh, you're seeing a lot of, um, um, influential, people uh, wearing those watches and not just so much the uh, you know big metal case watches that that we're used to to see on men's wrist right. so 
Uh, I think there's also a trend with vintage. Uh, we've seen that coming for a few years, actually. People getting more and more interested in vintage. Uh, now Rolex has a service center dedicated for vintage, or at least a part of their service center dedicated for vintage. And so... Um, people also think, oh, it's easy, it's old, it's rare, great, it's going to increase in value. Um, they're like, instead of spending something, you know, that amount of money on something new or on something that I can't even have because it's not available, well, I'm going to spend the same amount of money for something, you know, vintage. And you can still find, you know, some good deals or I'd be very, very careful. Even I'm still very careful myself with vintage. But um, I think that this is a trend. And so both combine. Yeah, I can see why it could become like a perfect storm. I didn't listen to the talk on Clubhouse. So I don't know what was said. I didn't hear it either. But, I, you know, in, in reading through some of the things regarding the the exclusivity of these watches, mm. I, I can appreciate somebody getting into these types of watches due to the exclusivity. Yeah. I remember reading something in there too, where, you know, some of these, uh, oftentimes the dial of Cartier just says Cartier. There's not mm -hmm. a lot of um, mm -hmm. branding or any kind of written stuff on there. And, and I think on some of these Privy collection pieces, they were, um, they were marked with the word Paris underneath the Cartier. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I am one of those that totally appreciate and respect Cartier for their, gosh, their history, mm -hmm. how long they've been out there for and their, them as a brand of quality. Um, I've never owned a Cartier watch. Uh, I'm not saying I will never because who knows, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody evolves, I think. So yeah. there might be a timepiece. Mm -hmm. If I was to add something in my collection because of, Cartier and the way they are, it might be in gold just because yeah. of the brand in itself. I like the tank. Mm -hmm. um, and if there was one tank that really has caught my eye, I'm a fan of reversos and that, that tank basculant mm -hmm. uh, is beautiful. And I, and I always want to make it Italian. I know it's a French word, but I always want to say like basculante <laughs> and it's not, <laughs> but you know what? It, yeah, that's okay. It, to me, that to me, that's a cool piece because yeah. of the way that case can flip around mm -hmm. and it can stand up when it's just laying there. And I don't know, there's some cool factor in that. But yeah, yeah, it really is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the tank too. And ah, um, oh, I, I fell in love with the tank American, and mm -hmm. uh, I had the tank Francaise on. And um, and I don't even know why I'm saying tank. It's tank. Uh, I'll just say it like the French way, right? Because I'm, I'm French. So the tank Francaise and the tank American are like probably my two favorite ones. The, um, they make a uh, elongated, like the tank centré, which is beautiful too. Oh, and it really hugs the wrist so, so nicely. Price point is, um, it's a little higher than what I would like it to be. Uh, I know we had this question last month about, you know, value. I, um... I don't, oh, that sounds good. that's going to sound terrible, but uh, for, for my budget, I'd rather go get something else rather than, uh, than a Cartier right now, simply because most of the Cartier I like, they are going to be either with a quartz movement, and I'm not ready to, um, you know, pay um, several thousands of dollars for, for a quartz movement. I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'm, I should be sorry or not, I, I, I'm, but... Uh, I'm, I'm not ready yet, and when it's gold and and it's um, it's going to be a manual movement, manual wound. Mm -hmm. 
right. they don't even make that many manual wound movements and, and all of a sudden it's uh, like the the Tank Louis Cartier, for example, is uh, around thirteen thousand dollars, and there's mm-hmm. really not that much that much gold in it. Really, really not. So uh, I I don't find. I mean, later on, yes, I would love to have to to buy one, right? And um. But based on my means and my budget right now, I'm. It just it just yeah doesn't all uh, fit in. <laughs> That's all. And I totally understand that because. Look, we're only made of so much money that we can put into our watch budget, right? And so, it's terrible, but it's true. And and so, there are other watches that resonate with you, but that's a great question from Andres. Yes, yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah, definitely. And and I know him and I are going back and forth with some people have some crazy dials, like stamped with some crazy things, like stamped Vacheron Constantin or stamped um, also co-stamped with you know obviously Tiffany's things were like well is it real like I've they just Cartier just made so many different different watches really and different dial versions that right. in the end it's kind of like a, a treasure hunt a little bit so um I think it's really really cool but yeah great question yeah. Andres thank you so much yes thank you Andres and actually because I know Andres has daddy duties in the middle of the night. He he's he and I have had conversations <laughs> before in the past, and you know, shout out to the kids. Yeah. And uh, I just wanted to say that he had a little bit more time this month that he actually sent in an, uh, another question. <laughs> so <laughs> we have another question from Andres again, um, and he asks, "What are your thought processes regarding selling a timepiece in your collection? Is it to fund another piece?" Is it because maybe it's the end of the honeymoon period or you're not really spending much time on the wrist anymore? Uh, how do you evaluate it when it's time to let it go? And that's a great question mm-hmm. because I'm personally going through that right now with a watch that I currently have in my collection. It's something that I purchased last year and I look at it and I think about, do I wear it? As much. And Mm -hmm. I think I've only worn this timepiece like five or six times since I've gotten it, Mm -hmm. like, you know, last year. And I think it's a great timepiece. I think it's got some cool functions. It's a GMT. I love GMTs. It just doesn't connect with me and I don't connect with the watch. And, um, you know, so it's, it's really if you connect with it and are you wearing it that much? And if it's not, and, it, and if you're not connecting with it, then, you know, sometimes it's better off finding a better owner than you for that timepiece. Um, and, and if, to me, it's not about necessarily funding the next piece because I'll be transparent. I mean, I have a fund for watches in my collection, like for collecting watches, I've got a separate fund than anything else. And oftentimes there'll be like, that sounds horrible, but there's like money in that fund. And so when I sell something, money goes in. If I buy something, money goes out. And it just kind of keeps, you know, it's like its own checkbook, I guess. <laughs> so it's kind of. Hey, that's a great idea. It works very yeah. well. You don't feel it. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great idea. Right. So you're not chasing the next one or you're not feeling like you're behind. There's kind of like its own fund. Yeah. But uh, yeah, if, if anybody's interested to see which watch I'm talking about, just follow me on Instagram. It's uh it, it's an Oris that I picked up this past year and, you know, I'm, I'm actually looking for a good home for it. Yeah. And that's a good point. What you're saying, like looking for a good home because 
you know, it deserves, in, in a way, it, it's meant to be worn. So if you're not going to wear it, well, someone might wear it and might enjoy it. And so yeah, why keeping yeah, exactly. it too? Um, but yeah, I've never been in that situation where uh, I sold a watch. I don't think I have like a very big collection, to be honest. So maybe that's the reason why. Um, I would, well, I'm buying them in, in the mindset of keeping them, right? Um, mm -hmm. And I know some people buy things and, and they're, you know, oh, well, I'll wear it, but if someone, you know, wants to buy it from me, I'll sell it. And they, they can move on with watches and, you know, great for them. I have a hard time. Um, I mean, once it's it's in my home, it's, you know, it's part of my collection. They're my babies. So right. I just, I don't know. Yeah, I don't feel like selling them. But yeah, if I would, it'd be most likely because I just simply don't connect with the watch anymore. I don't like it or it just doesn't do anything for me. I'm not wearing it. And it's just like, why is it sitting here um, if I don't care for it anymore and I'd sell it? I yeah. don't want to be in a situation where I have to sell it because I love something even more. And generally, I've been tempted at some point and I've asked myself, well, should I, you know, would I, would I sell something, you know, for this if the occasion arises? And, um, I mean, there are some watches that, depending also on the price point, right, but if, like, the... the the occasion presented itself. It's it's the price range I'm looking for. It's the watch that I love very, very much. Um, I'd buy it right away, and then I'd be like, oh, okay. But I'll try to find a way to still keep all of them. So, um. And, and I, I should say I'm the same way too. So when I look at bringing in a watch into my collection, it's not because necessarily I want to just rent it for a little bit and then get rid of it or, you know, I'm trying oh, to flip yeah. it because I'm not a flipper at all. Mm -mm. But, like, some watches... And it's unfortunate, right? So, like, there are times when you don't get to try on a watch. You don't get to see it. Mm -hmm. hey, it's COVID yeah. time. Sometimes things are online. You don't get to see it. And you think you're going to like it when you see it yeah. online. And you put it on and you're like, oh, that's cool. And then, like, you know, a few weeks later, you're like, oh, why did I do that? Yeah, and there's always that thing because we missed on some opportunities, we're like, oh my gosh, what if we missed on that opportunity too? So we're maybe tempted to not wait for that phase of like falling in love, doing the research, trying it on, trying it on again, or this or that, right? And COVID changes a lot of things too, so. And I should also say like, when I say, why did I do that? It's not, it's not bad on the watch. It's mm -hmm. just me learning about what I like and what I don't like. I just didn't get oh, a chance true. to try it on in the store. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, was it online only? No. Um, well, at least the way I saw it. So the watch that I'm talking about is the Oris Pro Pilot GMT. Mm -hmm. It is a limited edition. It was to commemorate the, um, I think 58th anniversary or the anniversary of like the, um, Reno air races mm -hmm. that happened in Nevada. And so this timepiece was kind of unique because it was to commemorate this event, but the event never happened because it got canceled for COVID. I love the story. I went yeah. with it and, and I picked it up because I could, I mean, like I wasn't going around to different watch stores yeah. at the time. And, and I don't know if I could have been able to see it anyway. And I, because yeah. it was limited, I thought that, you know, I may as well pick it up. Mm -hmm. And I like I like the way it looks. I like GMTs and all that stuff, but yeah. So, and, and so I tried it on and I'd wear it in the house. I tried it on and it was just like, mm, I never connected. 
So to answer your question, Andres, I think it's like you got to know what if you connect with it or not. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, and you can connect at first, but not, you know, forever either. There's, there's some of that too. There's um, like it can, at first you might be like, oh my gosh, no, I don't really like that watch at all. And then you might just love it so much. And, and we have watches on rotation or watches that we don't wear. And, and what my fear is, is that I'll sell something and then I'll be like, oh my gosh, why did I sell it? And everything I have is uh, either they don't make it anymore or they're rather difficult to have. Uh, and right. it's not really on purpose. It's just, you know, the, the way it is, the way it happened. Uh, you know, over time things get discontinued um, or, you know, whatever whatever reasons it is. So I'm like, if I sell it, the occasion for me to get it back is much slimmer in terms of ability and in terms of prices because the prices increase too um, because, you know, avail- availability is um, lower in a way. So I'm so afraid because I know I've been wearing something, you know, all day, every day for weeks on end and forgetting about, you know, my other watches. Like my reverso, sometimes I tend to forget about it. And then I'm wearing it and I'm like, oh my gosh, wh- why did I forget to wear it? Like, what is <laughs> right, wrong with right. me? Um, so if I'm like, well... Uh, I haven't been wearing it very much. I mean, it's a dress your watch, so I haven't been wearing it very much lately. So let me sell it because I really want something else better, right? And mm-hmm. I know for sure this is, I'm going to regret it. And um, so I'll, I'll wait until I completely fall out of love with a watch to decide to sell it. It hasn't happened yet, so. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll see. But yeah, but that's a good question, Andres. Thank you. Thank you, Andres, and go get some sleep from the daddy duties in the middle of the night, right? The next question is from Dan at um, Golf Spy MBP. Uh, It's it's always such a pleasure to talk to you, Dan. Uh, And and I don't really know much about golf, but I love your photos very much. I love your cat. I know you have two cats, so I love them both. But uh, you know the one, the, the. you know the one uh, I'm always every time you post about him I'm like always like laughing so much I just love your cat so much so uh, that was a little <laughs> the little hi to you and your cats <laughs> um, so you you were asking what are your thoughts regarding the Dan Harry watches and um, I had to look it up um, because I wasn't very familiar with this brand at all and I was very pleasantly surprised. Um, I I tend to know a little bit more about a certain category of watches. Uh, <laughs> yes, Ernesto. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you which category it is. You guys can figure it out on your own. <laughs> it's pretty obvious. Uh, and so, I mean, it, it, it's, it's my training, that's all. <laughs> and, and so I wasn't really familiar with, um, you know, with this brand. And, um, and they make really, really nice looking watches. So my thought was for, um, first I was very surprised because they look like they're really, really good quality. The price point is in the $200, uh, I think to $300, something like that. Mm-hmm. And some of them are on, um, have an automatic movement. We're looking at them. They do take codes and uh, design codes from um, famous watches. And uh, one of my favorites is, um, I mean, when the one that struck me the, the most, and I think from the collection it's, it would be my favorite, is the 1970. It looks like it's a mix between an Aquatimer and a Polaris. 
And mm -hmm. um, so I was like, well, it does take design codes from other watches that are quite popular. But at the same time, it's not copying either. So you, some people call them homages. So some people like, I mean, everyone has an opinion on everything in terms of watches anyway. But Some people call them homages. <laughs> homages. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Whatever. Make fun of my accent. It's okay. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> Love the accent. <laughs> it's okay. I can take I can take it. Bring it on. Um... <laughs> I'm going to so, get beaten up after the after no, this anyway. So I know. <laughs> that's so not true. No, I'm the first one to make fun of myself. So um, I'm I'm very sarcastic. So I I can't take it from from especially from you. So we've known each other long enough. It's good. Right, right. Um, Listen, I'm I'm with you. That one that 1970. That's mm -hmm. a cool timepiece. Yeah, it is. It's really cool, yeah. and it's like two hundred and seventy dollars. Yeah, and to me, it's kind of like. And I've said this before. I mean, I hate to sound like a broken record, but you got to do you. Like if yes. that, if you're into this vintage vibe, but like in a modern iteration, go for it. And if mm -hmm. that's your price point, rock it out. I mean, like yeah. um, that to me, I think that Dan Henry provides watches that look similar to what we know as vintage watches. I know he's taken some cues from like Hoyer and also from mm -hmm. Breitling mm -hmm. and Omega. Um, mm -hmm. and I think even like Rolex Daytona's, but like you said, this 1970 Leslie, it's like IWC. It's got that whole, you know, Zizha Lacool, um, Polaris yeah, vibe to it. Like I'm going to even say the, uh, even the Longines legend diver, which, you know, we talked a little bit about <laughs> the last episode. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But no, this, I love the super compressor case. And, mm -hmm. and I think that, you know, you know, yeah. I think about these kind of watches too, and, there's another brand out there that's an independent as well. And it's the Laurier watches that they're based oh, out yeah. of New York. It's a husband and wife um, uh, owner that they own this. And when you look at some of the watches that they have, they also bring style cues, you know, and they're automatic watches. They're, and what I like about them is they bring style cues from previous watches that we all love, like the Pepsi with the Bakelite um, bezel. Mm. And, you know, they're at a modest price point. They're, you know, anywhere from five yeah. to $800. That, and that they even have... Hyperion? Yeah. I'm sorry, but like... No, no, go ahead. You show, we talked about it earlier. I love yeah. it. It does look like a Bakelite, but... Um, yeah, it does look like a Bakelite bezel. It has that gilted uh, dial. Mm -hmm. It's gorgeous. And it's $800. $800. It's really nice. I mean, you have a date, a GMT. Yeah. So to me, it, it's like, you know, there are some cool watches that give that vibe off mm -hmm. and you're not breaking the bank trying to find the, you know, the true timepiece because let's, let's, let's face it. I mean, not everybody has the budget to be able to, you know, blow thousands of dollars on these yeah. watches. So realistically, if you get to enjoy this hobby mm -hmm. and you get to do it either through, you know, a Dan Henry watch or through a Laurier watch, whatever, mm -hmm go for it this is to be enjoyed yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah definitely and it also like could be a choice too uh you 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 might have like you know that budget but you might decide to be spending it on something else right cars mm -hmm. for example or you know whatever um but you might just not think well you know spending all that money for like and yeah it, it might not make you know a difference to you and it's totally fine they've it like Ernesto says, you really do have to do you, 
and um, I was surprised. They really look like they're very well made, and um, I like the story of the guy too. Great, and yeah. I love those Lori. I didn't really know about that brand um, either. And you, I mean, I've seen it a little bit on Instagram, but uh, mm-hmm. Ernesto, um, you're the one who really uh, brought it to my attention. And I'm like, hmm, that's really nice. You know, I just think about uh, the watches that, you know, with like the Dan Henry and even the Laurier watches. I mean, those watches, if you ended up with a Rolex Pepsi from the late 50s with that Bakelite mm-hmm. bezel. Oh. What would you, I would never leave it. I would never let it leave the house. I mean, like, because the Bakelite in itself is a pretty fragile piece of material. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That would not be a watch that I would feel comfortable swimming in or, you know, going to the beach in. But if you ended up picking up, you know, the Dan Henry 1970, for example, or even the, the Hyperion, I mean, those pieces, put it on your wrist, go to the beach, get some sand in it. You know, you'll be fine. Totally, yeah. And and when you're a collector anyway, you just collect. You just like to have like a you know a variety of watches to to choose from, or just totally. simply you look to you love to look at your watch case or your watch cases, and just you know look at your little treasures and be like, oh my gosh, and and you just yeah, I don't know, talk to them or clean them, wind them, just listen to to them, you know, beat or um so. Yeah, as long as uh, as it fits what you're looking for. Well, Dan, thanks so much for that question. We really appreciate it. And it allowed us to look a little bit deeper into Dan Henry watches. And we appreciate you uh, sharing that with us. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. So our last question is from a friend of ours. It's He's at one watch, two watch, three watch more. First of all, I love that um, Instagram account name. Yeah. Um, it just reminds me of like Dr. Seuss. <laughs> True. But he asks us a very tough question. So the question says, uh, Ernesto, if you could acquire one watch from Leslie's collection, which would you choose? But you have to give up one of your watches to Leslie, which you'd be willing to part with. Leslie, same thing. If you could acquire one watch from Ernesto's collection, which would you choose? Again, you have to give up one of your watches to Ernesto. That's a hard question. That's like a super hard question. <laughs> this might end up our friendship. The answer to this question might just totally dissolve this bezel banter podcast. You guys realize that there's like that potential, right? Oh, okay. Now I'm thinking. Now oh I'm thinking. Oh my goodness. That's such a tough question. <laughs> Do you question. have an answer? Well, the thing is that you I'm, wondering, start? I'm wondering, like, can I pick the one I want from your collection and give you the one I want? From my collection, because then it's like a little easier. But okay, if- let let's let's play it. Let let's let's try it and see. Okay. <laughs> I'm curious what's going to happen here. What are your thoughts, Leslie? <laughs> Nervous. Well, I have to answer first. Yeah, go ahead. Oh my goodness. <laughs> because it might sway my decision and how I answer. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> um. So first, I have to remember all the watches you have. They're not that big. Well, there, there, there is, there is, um, there is, um, well, um, I think, and, and, and I want to apologize first to, to, uh, Mrs. Ernesto Guapo, because I know it's, it's her watch too. Um, but I think from your collection, I would get the, uh, I would get the Rolex Daytona. What? 
Yeah. Listen, <laughs> let me just say this for <laughs> Okay, you went right for the jugular. <laughs> I just went right there. Because and, and, I love and, your vertex, but I can still get it. So, right, 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 right. and I'm still exactly. on the fence about getting it. But the Daytona, I've always loved the Daytona. And I know I can't get it at retail because, you know, I'm not one of those, uh, you know, um, people. I'm sorry, we're not in the same category, apparently. So. <laughs> well, no, <laughs> well, let's not go there. But uh, <laughs> I we're not judging that, that, you know, we're, we're all equal. We're no, all equal. No, I know, I know, I know, I know. But, um, but I'm just thinking, like, the only reason why Mrs. Ernesto Guapo would get that watch is because something happened to me. So I, you're, you guys are talking like I'm gone already. <laughs> oh, man. This, Leslie, this better be good. What, what am I going to get in return for this thing? <laughs> now I'm thinking about your collection. Well, see, if I, if, I, if I have to let you choose, that's a different answer that if, you know... I have like, uh, I'm choosing and I'm like, okay, well, I'm taking this and, and, and I'm giving you this. So, um, okay, it's going to yeah, sound bad. Choose for me. <laughs> choose for me. Go ahead. So I know you were considering at some point getting her the, the, the Tudor Black Bay Navy Blue. So that mm-hmm. would be my switch. Oh, so that way she still has a watch, right? <laughs> so <laughs> it's. It's like a mercy watch. I'll take your Daytona. You can have the Black Bay 58. Hey, it could have been worse, but it's actually the one I wear the least. So, so there you go. It sounds awful. I hope you all enjoyed the last episode of Bezel Banter. <laughs> I'm awful. I'm sorry. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, those, listen, I would do the same thing. So I'm, I'm tracking with you. I do the same thing. No, that's a great choice. And and thank you for the Black Bay 58. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> from your collection, Leslie, I don't know if I, I don't know if I can say this because I know that there's some stuff in your collection that you have not publicly announced. So I'm going to do this like very carefully. I'm going to tiptoe all over this thing without like. <laughs> oh, so that's getting... what you were saying, the end of our friendship. Okay, I'm seeing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Two ways, man. There are buttons on your phone too. Buttons on mine. <laughs> All right. All, all kidding aside, t- so that we can answer this question, I think the one that I would love to get oh, into. Oh, I my know collection, which one it is. I know. I forgot about that one. Yeah, uh, yeah. But I know I, you've been so, talking about it a lot. I'm, I'm not going to give anybody much detail other than the fact that it's an IWC and it's in oh. precious metal. And eventually, <laughs> and eventually, when Leslie goes ahead and makes a public announcement, I'm going to just. You know, tell you guys. No way. Exactly. <laughs> oh my god. No, this you know, and and we've had that discussion too before. Um, you know, we're collecting for ourselves and uh sure. I like to keep things a little private too sometimes. So I kept my uh, my my Pepsi or or should I say uh my Spider Man. <laughs> I kept it for <laughs> We rebranded a, it. Right, I'm rebranding it, yeah. I kept it for quite a while, like uh, hidden. I mean, not hidden because I was wearing it and it wasn't a secret at all. But um, I didn't put it on Instagram for quite some time, actually, because I announced it for Christmas and I've had it since, uh, oh, well, a, a, a few months already. And um, so I, I don't know. I just felt like, you know, I just wanted to kind of keep it for myself or, and sometimes you don't really know about, you know, judgment online or sure. simply like they know you, they know where you live. Although if it's, it's, you know, in one of the safest place you can possibly, you know, have, and it's not, you know, even at home, 
it's, right. it's still, you know, like you said, a precious metal watch. And, um, and I don't know, I just, I don't know. That watch is a little bit special. So, uh, I just kind of like wanted to keep it, um, for, for myself. And yeah, I know I'm being not. a little cruel right now because I'm talking about it and you guys don't know what it is. It's absolutely Fair. gorgeous and perfect. I'm going to tell them straight up that it's not its not the perpetual calendar. It's not a perpetual <laughs> calendar. Because you guys know I'm not a complications guy. Nope. No, it's <laughs> But th- not. That's, that's all we're going to say. And you know what, Leslie? Thank you so much for that watch that you're going to end up <laughs> know, you know, allowing me to take from your collection. And in return, <laughs> oh I'm going to gift you with an Oris oh. Pro Pilot GMT. <laughs> Limited edition, <laughs> Reno Air Races special. Oh, great, thank you. <laughs> You're so welcome. So you don't I have thought to it, sell it I anymore, thought it appropriate. Right? Yeah, it's good. It's, it's, I'll even get your car washed for the deal. Oh my god! One free car wash. How's that? <laughs> it's included in the oh, deal. What a trade! What a trade! Yeah, yeah. Oh well, man, I'm glad that it's only I think a we, hypothetical. <laughs> Yeah, I think we got each other, though. I think we're pretty even between the two scenarios. We're still going to be friends? Yo, obviously. Okay, cool. Yeah, obviously. Definitely. That was fun, though. This was a fun, that was a fun question. Thank you so much. That was a really fun question, yeah. At one watch, two watch, three watch more. Uh, really had a fun time with that question. Yes. And guys, thank you so much. Everybody who sent in questions this month, we mm-hmm. really appreciate you, you guys doing that. We will definitely tag you guys on our website, on our Instagram. Um, we'll definitely tag you guys so that you can uh, be included mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, be a part of this. So we really appreciate thank everybody. Thank you so on, much. Under, yeah. yeah. Well, I think this is probably a good place to wrap things up. Thank you guys so much for listening and spending time with us this week on Bezel Banter. Please hit the show notes for more details and links. You can follow us on Instagram. Leslie is at Ladies Wrist and I'm at Ernesto Guapo 72. And of course, you can follow the show at at Bezel Banter Media. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us either on Instagram or on bezelbanter at gmail.com. And please subscribe and review wherever you find your podcast because it truly helps us out. Additionally, you can grab this episode and other episodes at www.bezelbanter.com. Thanks again, and we look forward to catching up with you next week on another episode of Bezel Banter. Thanks, guys. Thank you.